Thank you for tuning in to the Believer's Church of Johnson City podcast. We are grateful you stopped by. Regardless of where you are in your faith journey, we hope today's teaching is both challenging and also encourages you to move closer to Jesus. You can subscribe to the podcast if you want weekly messages, leave a review of your experience, and if you wish to become a giving partner, you can do so by visiting our website at believerschurchjc.com. And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We are located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message. We do celebrate the most significant day in the life of the church. It's a day of promise. It's a day of victory. It is the day that sin was defeated. And I love the fact that we just finished up this six-week series on grace. I think it's just wonderful to go into Easter after talking about the grace of God for six weeks. Some of you that are here today, you may not really know what Easter means, all right? You might think about the Easter bunny, you might think about some of the festivities, maybe you've heard a little bit about the crucifixion, but you're really not sure exactly what it means, and if that's the case, you're in a very, very good place today. So we want to talk today about the best part of any story, any movie, any novel, and that, of course, is the climax All right, now the climax is the most exciting or the most important part of something. All right, so for just a second, let's consider movies. And I'm sorry, I'm going to go a little bit old school with you, but let's think about The Godfather. And my guess is that 25, raise your hand if you saw The Godfather. Oh, good. All right, some good taste in here. All right, so you have uh, Michael Corleone, all right, played by Al Pacino, who's this good college kid. He's not part of the family business, all right? He's kind of an outsider with everything that's going on, and he's the one that seems to be able to be achieving success outside of the family of crime, all right? But as the movie progresses and certain events happen, what you see is that he not only starts to turn toward the family, but eventually he becomes like the most ruthless gangster and like the godfather, and the climax is at the end. All right, whenever all the people are walking up to him saying, Don Corleone, and they are giving him that respect. And all of a sudden, I guess the beautiful part about that film, among the acting and a lot of the other things, is the transformation of character that you see and the way that it plays out in the end. Now, a movie that that Rob and I like a lot, I'll mention, is The Shawshank Redemption. That's a little bit newer. Now, if you have TBS and TNT and you've not seen this, something's wrong. Because there for years it came on about four times a week. All right, but Andy Dufresne is accused of murder, spends years in prison, but the plot to escape unfolds in the end, and and you never saw it coming. Like everything that happens at the end, whenever that poster goes down and there's that hole in the wall, and all of a sudden you you see the backtracks of him doing everything that he did. It's just like, wow! I didn't know that was going to happen, and it was just completely out of nowhere. Now, what about the greatest story that was ever told? And this is Jesus rising from the dead as the climax of this amazing story, every bit of which, which is recorded here, but even though it's not at the end, the climax of this story 
is the resurrection of Jesus. And that's what we celebrate today. So if you do have a Bible and you want to turn there, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 today. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we're going to look at 10 uh, 10 verses. And there is a reason that I want to look at these 10 verses, because a lot of times on Easter, a pastor is going to go straight to the Gospels. All right. Of course, there are wonderful things of this account in the Gospels, but there's something specific that I want you guys to see today because Paul is introducing the topic of Christ's death, burial, and physical resurrection. And this is going to be very important for the church in Corinth. All right. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 10. And there's a specific reason I'm using this translation this morning. I'm using a translation called the voice. All right. So if you do want to follow up here on the screen, you're more than welcome to do that, to do that as well. But this is what Paul is saying. Let me remind you, brothers and sisters, talking to the people in Corinth, of the good news or the gospel that I have preached to you when we first met. Keep in mind, he's planting churches in Corinth. It is the essential message that you have taken to heart, the central story that you now base your life on. In other words, it's everything. And through this gospel, you are liberated. Unless, of course, your faith has come to nothing. And unfortunately, that is the case with some people that are involved. For I passed down to you the crux of it all, which I had also received from others. Meaning that at one time, we see this recorded in the book of Acts, Paul, who was Saul, was also a recipient of this grace and of this salvation story. That the anointed one, the liberating king, died for our sins and was buried and was raised from the dead on the third day. Today represents the third day. Now, all this didn't happen by accident, but it all happened to fulfill the scriptures. It all happened because it had been recorded thousands of years ago what was actually going to eventually unfold. It was the perfect climax to God's covenant story. Afterward, He appeared alive to Cephas. Many of you know him as Simon Peter. Then to the rest of the 12. And this is where, from an apologetic sense, for people who have a hard time with physical resurrection, or for people having a hard time believing that Jesus was the Messiah, this is where Paul is offering very early proof. So he appeared to the 12. But you know what? If that was not amazing enough, on one occasion, he appeared to more than 500 believers at one time. So there are a lot of people who see this post-resurrection Jesus. Many of those brothers and sisters are still around to tell the story today, though some have fallen asleep in Jesus. What he is saying here is that this is within the generation of Jesus. So some of the people that witnessed this physical resurrection and saw this, they're still around to talk about it at this time. Soon he appeared to James, his brother, and the leader of the Jerusalem church, and then to the rest of the emissaries. He himself commissioned, last of all, and this is where it gets very personal for for Paul, he appeared to me. 
And I can tell you guys this today. In 1997, he appeared to me. And for many of you that are in here right now, at one point or another, and hopefully often after an original conversion, he appeared to you as well. I was like a child snatched from his mother's womb. You see, I am the least of all his emissaries. And he's talking about his life and sin, not fit to be called his emissary because I hunted down and persecuted God's church. Today, I am who I am because of God's grace. And I have made sure that the grace he offered me, hope you were here the last six weeks, has not been wasted. I have worked harder, longer, and smarter than all the rest. Sounds a little arrogant. But I realize it's not me. It is grace with me that has made the difference. Today, I want to leave you with this, and I hope you're able to think about it for the rest of the day, and for that matter, the rest of the year and the rest of your life. A risen Savior equals an answer for the question of existence. So some of us may not be thinkers, and these kinds of things don't cross our mind very often. We believe in God, or we don't believe in God. But for others, there are these deep existential questions about what life means. Why are we here? Why are we just thrust into this universe, into this world, not really understanding a lot of it? In this Savior, in this resurrection, in this love story, we have an answer for the questions of human existence. So a few ways that this answer works today. Number one, you have an answer for everything that makes you broken. You have an answer for everything that makes you broken. I can't tell you, and, and Beth could vouch for this because she's watching me walk around this house the majority of the time in quarantine, how many individuals have reached out to me just in the last seven to 10 days? broken and hurt, maybe because their life had not turned out the way they expected. Maybe it was drugs. Maybe it was alcohol. Maybe it's just a difficult time that they were going through. But I have spent more time on the phone or, or on FaceTimes than I have in I don't know how long. And it's just showed me in this time leading up to Easter how much real brokenness there is, but also how much brokenness there is in this room right now. And you can hide behind a mask, literally. And you can struggle with what you're going through. And you can stand there or sit here in a dark room without others knowing how much you're really struggling financially or how much you're really struggling with loneliness. Or how much you're really struggling with substance abuse. Or how much you're really struggling with fear and overwhelming anxiety. You have an answer. You have an answer for everything. 
that makes you broken. Verses two and four, just portions say this, through this gospel, you are liberated. The anointed one, the liberation king died for our sins and was buried and raised from the dead on the third day. All this happened to fulfill the scriptures. It was the perfect climax to God's covenant story. So what we have, and there is another reason that I chose to use this passage today. This is the first account of the resurrection being written in this form as we know it. All right? It's the first account that we actually have. Jesus was crucified in 30 or 33. All right? Scholars are going to argue a little bit about that exact date. Paul wrote this in the 50s, okay, so so 20 odd years after the resurrection, our first gospel that was written, Mark, is written around 70, all right, so this is the first account that we actually have, and this is the full embodiment of the gospel according to Paul, because there are several things that he is doing here. Paul, in this amazing way, is taking us backwards, talking about the resurrection and everything that happened, and forwards at the same time. He is showing how the entire story of God has been fulfilled, but also to this church in Corinth and to you guys today, how it still has transformative power that you will never find in self-help psychology, that you will never find on your own, that you're not going to find in another religious movement, because we are talking about a problem called sin that nothing can solve but a Savior. And this becomes deeply, deeply rooted in the lives of these people in Corinth, who are in a culture that, quite frankly, is much like ours today. And it becomes deeply rooted in the lives of people today. So you may not recognize it at this moment, but when you do come to realize that you are in need of this, everything in your life is going to change. And and you may not be there today. And if you're not there today, that's okay. But some of you are. And the reason you are is because you recognize that you've tried everything else. You've done things your way. You've tried to open all of these doors, these various doors in your life. And nothing has worked. And I think one of the hardest things about this that's really, really tough is that every single one of us, unless you're from out of town and you're visiting today, we live in the Bible Belt. And what that means often is that we are so strangled and choked with like a superficial version of the gospel that it's hard for us to understand and really comprehend that God loves us this much. Because I can't speak for every person that's in here right now, but I will guarantee you I can speak for people who are listening online or for people who make the decision to have nothing to do with an Easter Sunday. 
whenever they think about gospel, whenever they hear words like church or religion, the first thing that crosses their minds are all the ugly things that they see. Now, you have a benefit if you grew up in Southern California, if you're from a certain area of Canada, if maybe you grew up in Europe or many other countries. But the problem that we sometimes have is that we are so saturated with bad religion that it's very difficult for us to see what it actually is. So there are a lot of people who actually recognize their brokenness. They know that they are hurting and they know that they are in need. But they think, I will die before I ever become like that person. I will, I will just, just forget about every single bit of it if it means I have to go through those things and be like them. So it puts us at, at a slight disadvantage if you understand what I'm talking about. You think Bible Belt, good thing. I usually think Bible Belt, bad thing, but that's just me. And that's because of all the baggage that is carried with it. So how is it that we see this liberator? How is it that we see this anointed king? How is it that we see that we have a level of brokenness that only he can heal? You can have this freedom today. You can have this liberation today. Your life can be different starting today. But how? That's where the second answer comes in. This answer, it doesn't depend on anything that you can do. And that is a real problem for us. It's a real problem for us because we say, just give me the instructions. Sort of like you're reading how to, how to give your child medicine on the back of a box. Just let me know what I need to do and how I need to do it. But what if you knew in your brokenness, in your hurt, in the struggles in your marriage, in the fear that you have? Because you see, that's another thing about this resurrection and this grace. I don't just need it today. I need it every single day of my life. In fact, there are actually times when I feel like I need it more than I initially needed it. Because I find myself to be so backwards in my thinking and in my doing. And I have to recognize there is nothing I can do. Now, that should provide some level of, of uh, security or some level of ease. Okay, well, great. I don't have to do it. But here's the thing. We are so used to trying to do. You see, Bible Belt culture has taught us one thing, but American culture has taught us something else. And that's if you want something, you got to go get it. And you've got to do and do and produce and grow in this way. Those are the things you've got to do. But the way of the cross is something that is very different. This is what Paul says in verse 10. Today, I am who I am because I really started trying hard. No. I am, I am who I am because I, I started coming to church every single week. And I made the decision I was never going to miss. And I took part in community groups at Believer's Church, and I started helping with the community, and I started treating people better. I started doing all those things. That's not what Paul says. Paul says, today I am who I am because of God's grace. 
And I've made sure that the grace he has offered me has not been wasted. I have worked harder, longer, and smarter than all the rest. Now listen, that could sound arrogant. It really could. But if you know anything about Paul's missionary journeys, if you know anything about his shipwrecks, if you know anything about his injuries, if you know anything about his time in prison, he was probably just being honest. He had put forth a lot of effort considering where he had been in a prior life. But this is key. I realize it's not me. It's God's grace with me that has made the difference. This is what's so hard. You have a talented artist. You have a successful CEO. You have someone that's been in what appears to be a perfect marriage for 35 years. You have someone that has raised their kids really, really well. You have a person that's never used drugs, never made financial mistakes, never had any of these problems. And this is what they tell themselves. And this is probably what some of you tell yourselves as, as upright, good church people. I'm okay. And, and I do teach in Sunday school, or I do help out with this. I do try to plan for that. And we immediately go to the things that we believe we are able to do. Paul says it's different. And what you have to recognize today in the place that you have to start is that you are morally bankrupt in every possible way. As some of you, you, you back, no, I'm okay. I'm okay. In fact, I'm better than those unethical church people. Sin is sin. And this is what we have to recognize. It's all about this grace that we have received. Here's some important theology that we have to understand about this cross that we're talking about today. John Stott said this, before we can see the cross as something done for us, you know, before this, we're able to worship and, and the band sounds great and people are raising their hands and they're clapping and they're excited and all these things. But before we can see the cross as something done for us through faith and worship, we have to see it as something done by us. And I don't know that every person that's in here right now or every person that's listening is really ready to take on that kind of responsibility. I didn't do anything to God. I didn't do anything to Jesus. It's something that was done by us. As we face the cross then, we can say to ourselves, I did it. My sins sent him there. And he did it. His love took him there. I am telling you from personal experience, and there are others in here that can also tell you this from personal experience. You will never clean up your life enough. Now, some of you are going to try. Some people get clean. They do manage to get clean. They have years and years of sobriety, but they're still just really, really angry, and they're rotten on the inside. I've known people like that. I've been a person like that. 
There are people who say, I'm going to do all these good things for the poor. I'm going to start trying to be a better person. But it does not complete and fill the void that offers peace that says, despite your rotten, awful behavior, you are clean and sanctified by God. That is where this freedom is. That is where this liberation is. That is where this newness is. And it is something that you can experience today. So watch what Paul is doing here. He says, today I am here because of God's grace. Not something that he could do. But I also made sure that this grace wasn't wasted. My community group talked a lot about abusing grace and how so many people do that. A stronger translation of this will say a better translation that his grace toward me was not in vain or void. So this is literally what Paul is saying. This transformative grace is so amazing. It is taking me from this life as a Pharisee, persecuting Christians, trying to show over and over again how wrong they are. It has taken me from that to a life in which I have been given a brand new chance. Did I persecute people? Yes. Did I murder people? Yes. Did I talk about people all the time? Yes. And are there some that will hold me responsible for this for the rest of my life? Probably. But if the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. I am completely renewed. I'm completely transformed. It doesn't really matter what people think. I am changed. I am given the opportunity to walk in the complete newness of life. And here's the kicker. I never could have done it for myself. I never could have cleaned myself up enough. I've had to know what bottom felt like. And I had to reach out and say, God, the only answer is you. I am making a decision to trust in you. I know what you have done for me. And if you'll have me, I'm on board. Yet we try and we try and we try. And self-help, self-improvement. There are many good things that we could say about it. But it is not the way to the cross. As some of you nod your heads and you know the experience, there were times in your life, and this is more experience as an adult than a child, that you just had to throw your hands up and say, I can't do it. Last, freedom and liberation are found in this answer. And what I would tell you guys today, for those of you that are struggling, for those of you that are in darkness, for those of you that things just never seem to make sense, please hear me out. Life can be better. And I am so far from perfect. I am so far from what a, a, a genuine, deep follower of Jesus should look like. But I know that in my moments of struggle, in my moments of darkness, I can always come to God. And I can always start over. Verse 4 says, it was the perfect climax to God's covenant story. Jesus didn't just die for our sins, though this is central to the story. But he is also finishing the covenant story 
of the Old Testament. It is a love story cover to cover. I want to share with you real quickly my, my, my biggest celebrity story, okay? So in, in 2006, I was on spring break <clears throat> in New Orleans in 2006, 15 years ago. And I was riding down the road in, in the back of a cab, and I can't remember where I was going. I was somewhere in the French Quarter. And across the street is Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie pushing their six zillion kids in, in, in strollers, you know, and, and, and some of the kids, you know, walking beside him that were just a little bit older. And I'm not really like a starstruck, you know, unless it's a Boston Celtic or somebody like, I'm, I'm not really like a starstruck kind of person, but I thought that was really cool. So I asked the cab driver to stop and I got out and I even, Beth will make fun of me. I didn't even have a cell phone. I had a digital camera and I just hope I had enough battery life in it. But so I walked over and nobody else was around, like nobody. I mean, just, and it was even kind of odd to see the French Quarter that empty. But I walk up to him, like many starstruck idiots do, and I said, can I take your picture? Which I guess might have been creepy, I don't know. Not to them, I'm sure they heard it all the time. But they said no, which felt wonderful. And they said no because their kids were with them. They said, you know, we've got our kids with us, we prefer not, but thank you. They were very, very friendly, Okay. I walk off. That was kind of my moment. I, I thought it was really cool. He was actually there filming the, the Curious Case of Benjamin Button. If you ever saw that movie, that was, it was filmed in New Orleans. But anyway, that was 15 years ago. But I remember it like it was yesterday. I really do. But do you think they remember that encounter? They're, we met Matt Smith, you know. No, they do not remember that. But I remember it like it was yesterday. And I cannot tell you the comfort that I find when I know that the God of the universe knows my name. And that the God of the universe, it doesn't matter how long ago it was and how many mistakes I've made in the last 20 odd years since I've been a follower of Jesus. And there have been a lot of mistakes that he still knows my name. Here's what Paul is saying. His is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I'm the worst. You ever have days where you just feel like you're the worst? And I know a lot of times it's not even God. We can just be hard on ourselves. But you have those days where you just feel like, I, I am not amounting to anything. I feel like I can't get any ground. Or like if you just have an, a, an argument with your children or with your spouse or with someone, you say things that you know you shouldn't have, and you just want to crawl in a hole because you feel so bad. You see, I am still in touch to this day with that guy that had a serious drinking problem. I am still in touch to this day with that person who said what would have been considered absolutely horrible, awful, disgusting things about church people and about God. And to know that I'm not only lifted 
out of that. I've been given a completely new life. Tell you something funny that just crossed my mind, and I'm going to close, but something that just crossed my mind. It's probably been about 15, probably been about 20 years ago. Dad called me and said, because I'd been out of church for a long time, and he said, why don't you go to church with me tomorrow on Easter? And I'm sure he'd probably prayed a ton about that, wondering what my reaction would be. And very, very quickly, I said, I'm not going. And he said, why? He was very discouraged, started to hear him kind of choking up. And I said, I'm not going to be one of these people that just shows up at church once or twice a year. I don't go any other time. I'm not going today or tomorrow. He hung up. Don't even know if he remembers that. But to think about getting up early this morning, thrilled to death, my little girl in the back of the car, this this full circle God moment to truly be lifted out. Because if you would have told me 20 years later that I would be standing here, no way. No way. So a quick recap as we leave. You have an answer for everything that makes you broken. That answer is the risen Jesus. That answer is the risen Jesus. The answer does not depend on anything or everything that you can do. You are a sinner that can never meet God's standards on your own. And some of you have still not crossed that bridge. Freedom and liberation are found in this answer. And today God is calling some of you once and for all to accept this truth. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, Spirit, we come to you this morning trusting in the freedom and the liberation that occurred in the cross of Christ. Knowing that we have no hope on our own. But knowing that if we are receptive to your voice, and allowing you to move us out of our complacency, out of our darkness, out of our fear and worry, out of our desire to try to do and do and do. That a mighty move of God will happen among us. We show our deep gratitude for the cross and for the work that you did some 2,000 years ago. Father at Believer's Church, help us to treat every single Sunday like Easter Sunday. And in the hurt and in the guilt and in the shame so many people carry, 
Help us to know more than anything that we are deeply loved by you. We pray these things in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We want to thank you again for listening to the Believer's Church podcast. Make sure you join us next week as we begin a new series. Also, we'd love a chance to connect with you. Make sure you visit BelieversChurchJC.com and enjoy the rest of your week.